Hello everyone and welcome back to another MGC episode. Before I give Vinny a proper intro, I want all my YouTube listeners to be aware that all MGC podcasts on YouTube will now have chapter links in the description so you can actually open up the description and skip around the chapters in this podcast that you'd prefer to listen to. So open up the description below, read the chapter titles, and check them out. Today I sit down with screenwriter Vincent Kenny, who talked with me about the process and the culture behind and around screenwriting and his personal motivations for participating in the craft, what his styles are, and where he's headed. But my most favorite part or parts about this episode is that while talking about writing, we touch on the discipline needed to keep moving forward and to succeed in artistic goals. We talk about film school and if attending is really worth it. We get into establishing your own personal production, and then while having a writer on, it was only a matter of time until we started getting a little crazy, because we eventually get into a conversation about ghosts, spirituality, the afterlife, metaphysics, and more, and we try to creatively decipher what these otherworldly topics mean to us as humans, as writers, and as storytellers. So enjoy this episode, and we will see you at the end. hear things wrong it's definitely me because i'm so used to saying them incorrectly <laughs> myself i used to say free instead of three for like years oh with an f yeah really yeah At, well, how old are you i was like i was really young like it was like a four or five when i started saying it like normally free oh uh, you know what no someone was saying that like you're not supposed to say it's for free so you're just supposed to say it's free mm. and it reminded me i hate when people say i could care less yeah, no, 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 no. It's I couldn't care yeah. less. It's like, oh, so you do care. It's, it's like, like those pet peeves. Yeah, like when people say things like that, it annoys me. Or when people say uh, same difference, if it had the same difference, that means it would be the same. Like, <laughs> I'm so confused, man. You're supposed to, no. As a writer, it's like those little, like, yeah, those so, little, like, intricacies. So in film, you're you're the writer, man. You're, you're, you're that guy. Oh, yeah, I, w- I want to be the writer. I'm the creative. What got you into that? Uh, well, ever since I was young, I, I would always just have, like, these weird thoughts that I would just be like, oh, that's a cool idea. Or, like, in school, I would always be, like, reading. Yeah. And so, um, like, around, around, like, third or fourth grade, like, I'd do, like, writing assignments for class. And then the, the teachers would just be like, oh, my God, like, that was really good for, like, yeah. a fourth grader. I'm like, oh, okay. And then, um, even, like, it would be things like, uh poems which i i don't write poems yeah, yeah, uh, yeah in fifth grade i'd write like a poem for an assignment and the teacher submitted it to like some collecting Ooh. collection thing for like students okay it got published so you knew from like the start that like yeah. writing's my thing yeah i was just like i I, en- I enjoy it i have these ideas and it's like it getting the satisfaction from people being like hey that was pretty good how often do you have ideas oh all the time do you do you do that thing where there's, a, there's some writers do it and some writers don't there's one of two ways you could have an idea, write it down, save it, or have an idea and never write it down and hope to remember it. What do you do? It, it, I do a mix of both. Okay. Sometimes I, if it's if it's really good and it, I I don't like if it's very like um basic and like just the basic outline of an idea and it's really yeah. good, I'm like, okay, I'll remember that when I get like something more concrete, I'll put it down. Absolutely. Or if it's something that's so like so random that it's just, like, I'm probably going to forget this, then I'll find a way to kind of, like, document it on my phone. But, like, I try to I try to give it some breathing room before I write it down. Yeah, because there's, um... I always tell people about this uh, thing that Stephen King does mm. where he never writes any ideas down because <laughs> he says if he remembers them, they're probably good, and if he doesn't, they're yeah. probably bad. I mean, that that's actually a really good, 
point. Yeah. Because it's I always I have certain ones that stick like way. That you've ahead. thought about forever, yeah. Yeah. Like I I've had ideas since like like one of my favorite ones I have I've had since right before going into high school. Yeah. And I've just been kind of like sitting on it and just building it and building it and building it. That's so awesome. Like eventually I can How so how young were you when you had that idea? I I had to just turn like fourteen. I feel like it's those moments in a lot of creative children where it's like this is my magnus opum. I need to do this. And, they, yeah. and they're and they not able to figure out how to do it until they're like 45. Exactly. It's like, I, I don't even want to start writing it because I'm worried that if yeah. I'm, I'm too amateur. I understand so I exactly what you're it. saying. Yeah. I mean, like, it's a good thing that you're at least practicing your craft and, and you're writing here or there whenever you can because at least, yeah, you're getting better. Um, I know with myself, I'll write it even if I'm not that good, yeah. which is not always a great idea because I'm like, Mark, if you want people to read it, make sure it's good to read but sometimes um, it comes out like so, really yeah, well. Sometimes it can, yeah, but um, I totally know what you're saying. Where it's like I don't want to back myself into a corner, think I did good, and then everyone's like, "Yeah, Vinny, this is great," but it really isn't. And I'm also worried that like if I start a project, I'm just gonna get too far down it, and I can't back myself up and be like, "Okay, this part's trash, this part's bad." Yeah, it's like I become too set. Well, you know the you know the quote, "Kill your darlings." Oh, I, I think yeah. I, I've heard something. I think about it. it, it Hemingway came up with it, and then I'm a big Stephen King fan. Um, and then he starts kind of like adopted it, and he talks about it all the time. Which basically what you just said is like you'll go so far and write this uh, fantastic story, at least in your eyes, mm. and then you have to go back and take away so many things because it's just bogging down the story. And then there's sometimes like in your head you have certain things going down the line that is like built on what's happened yeah. in the beginning and it's just like where do I go now? Yeah. It's like it's like a D and D campaign that you never finish. Oh my God. Yeah. I, so I, I get that completely Yeah, of course. So um do you focus more on short films, like feature length? What do you like to do most? Um I I like I I focus more on short right now because mm-hmm. it's just like it's very easy to get done. Like I can write it i could get people to film it with me and then i can edit Mm -hmm. it and release it in shorter amount of time and plus that that helps with school of course yeah of course that's the main thing i do at school but uh uh, down the line i i like doing in my head i like doing more long-term stuff like tv like just a very intricate like Mm. so you think you'd, you'd be good at writing a series yeah yeah, so it's okay. So then let's ask that kind of question because if there's you know feature length one offs, if there's like an anthology type kind of series where it's just like each one's a different story, or if there's like a TV series like Game of Thrones or whatever, it's like out of all those three, you'd want like the Game of Thronesy kind of style where it's yeah. like it's continuous episode, episode, episode. I like the idea of my favorite stories are the ones where it's like they they lay something out in the beginning and it's slowly over time you realize that what they said in the beginning is way like a much bigger deal than you realize mm. kind of thing i like the idea that the story can build more in a way yeah and build on top of like what you laid down i think it's 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 much more gratifying too cuz it's like something you've worked on for so long yeah like that totally so have you had any experience with, you know, making, like, sequels to your shorts? Um, I haven't made sequels yet, but I've, I have, um, kind of, like, a short series that we're making right now. I've done the first half of it filmed. We're editing it at the moment. But I've come up with kind of, like, sequel seasons for it, like, where, where mm. I think it would go in the future. So, so you, you, you told me before how, like, 
that you started writing or found a passion for writing because um, you realized you were good at it. People told you were good at it. And you have stories that you just want to tell. Yeah. Things that you feel like you got to get out there. Yeah, more so than it was like a job. It was almost like it was like I just I need to find a way to just get it out in some way. Do you there was a, my, my first podcast guest, her name Sasha. She said that she doesn't want to do art. She has to do art. Yeah. Otherwise, she is it's oblivion. And that's a that's a concept like some one band or like group that I listen to, like Death Grips, if you've ever heard mm-hmm. of them. They have a very similar philosophy where it's like they feel like there's something uh, pushing them to create. And yeah. it's like there's something inside them that it, it just like needs to come out. So art. what happens? What's the longest time you've gone without writing and how does that make you feel? <laughs> uh, I think that depends on what you define writing as. Cause I've okay, had, that's interesting. I've had some writers, er, like writing teachers and screenwriting teachers who say like, as long as you keep thinking about it and you keep kind of building in your head, you're yeah. still writing on some level. Thinking is writing. Yeah. It is. Which I, I I do that anytime I'm just sitting in my chair and I, I just kind of start like thinking. 100%. Yeah. It's, uh, I do it like without even like realizing it. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think people realize, especially people in film and in um, like editing or whatever, people don't realize that um, most of writing is thinking. Oh, yeah. Um, That's why I yeah. love it so much. Yeah, because you're just like, God, what, how would I? It's like, yeah. It's and like just picturing the things in your head. That it's, it's very like, cool. I, I want to get to a point where I can make, I could see that. Now, so you're mostly a screenwriter, right? That's your craft, right? That's my what I mainly want. Yes. I, I have a friend who's a phenomenal screenwriter. And he even he will say that screenwriting, although he's, magnificent at it mm-hmm. is fake writing because you have to follow rules that only a certain people care about. Yeah. Does that annoy you or can you get, get past that? Um, it does to an extent. Cause I think part of its ego that you, you kind of, yes. you want to, you want to tell this whole thing, like the script, you want to describe this whole scene in some way that just makes you feel like I'm yeah. a good writer. Yeah. <laughs> but then, <laughs> then you give it to like someone to give notes and they're just like, you gotta cut this. Yeah, there's too down. much black. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like you you could tell this whole thing in like five words. Just do that. Yeah, and it's like yeah, but I mean that doesn't look good. <laughs> I think it's annoying too. Like okay, um, I don't know if I was also talking to Ava. I might have been. I'm not sure. Um, if you're a writer, and you're no, I was talking. I was talking to Sasha, my first mm. guest. If you're if you're a writer, that's also going to be the director. Doesn't matter what you put in the script. Because yeah. you're the only one that has to worry about it, and you, you understand, and what you, you understand write. exactly what you need. Mm-hmm. But if you're just the screenwriter and you're hoping a production company is like, "Yeah, I'll buy that off yeah. of you," then you got to be really serious, and you d- have to be very yeah. specific in like a certain way. Like, is yes. there's also different kinds of screenplays. Like, there's the normal screenplay, and then like the I I forget what it's called exactly, but it's the one that they take to like the like a shooting script. Yeah, shooting like, script. Okay. And, like, they're very different in how they describe certain scenes. Because, like, one's meant so, like, a director could just look at it and be like, okay, we need to shoot it like this. This is how it's supposed to look. Exactly. And then the other one's meant more for, like, actors and, like, production companies to read it and get, like, the idea. Yeah. It's it's so, I think, like, I know it's necessary for a lot of reasons, but I think it undervalues the writer's, like... The craft. uh, Yeah, Yeah. and their creativity. Mm -hmm. Because, um... As a writer, it would it sucks. No, okay. If I want to put this out to a um, like I want to get an award for this, I put it out to a competition, mm. my my screenplay, right? Or if I want to uh, send this to Warner Brothers or something, it's like I got to make sure this is 
you know, they, they're able to read this in a way that seems professional. Like every period, every of your comma, everything has to be exactly where, where it's supposed to be. There can't be too much, uh, you know, black, like the words. It can't be uh, the, the exterior. Everything has to be perfect. And you also have to think of like little things. Yes. Like if, if it's like a, a huge block of text, That's someone's going to be like, That's too much. I don't That's know too if much. I want to read that exactly. right now. And so there's... You got to keep it moving. And... For people that don't know the reason why that is, because uh, most of the time, you know, these production companies will get stacks yeah. of screenplays. They don't got time to read every single one. So the first time they see something they don't like, they throw it out. Yeah, exactly. It could be the next Citizen Kane, but they don't got time for it. They get to page two and there's something where it's like a piece of dialogue. They're just like, oh, no one would say that. Exactly. And it's it, you have to keep them on the edge of their seat, like in each <laughs> page. Yeah, and, and it annoys me because... If we were able to, like, find all the time in the world, mm. and, like, this is obviously such an unrealistic fantasy, but if we were able to find all the time in the ro- world to read every screenplay, we would find such amazing stories. Mm-hmm. I feel like someone would say, but, Mark, isn't this, you know, you know, throwing out all these screenplays that, like, have little mistakes? Isn't that a good way of filtering into the best ones? I'm like, okay, we had some great movies mm-hmm. that way. But I feel, give me your opinion, I feel like the best movies are movies that directors write themselves. Which means a lot of they times, yeah. yeah they didn't have to like go through Tarantino. that yes Tarantino or uh, who did uh, Inception and Tenant um, Nolan Nolan's like they all write and they did not have to go through that screening process of oh you forgot a period get it out of here so I think screenwriters get a lot of they don't get a, they don't they deserve a lot more than they get yeah and especially if if like some movie gets made and it's like a masterpiece, it's usually going to be just credited to the director oh for my pulling gosh, it off. don't even get me started. Even, yeah. if, even if the script is just, like, a masterpiece. Like, yeah. the idea, the concept is just, like, outlandish, but it's, like, the director really did a great job for that. So, so you started writing young. Mm-hmm. What made you want to do screenwriting, though? After all we just talked about, and it's still your heart and soul, wh- why? I, th- I think because I've, I've always had a love for movies, also mm-hmm. since I was a kid. Like, my dad and I... We like my dad since I was a kid would show me movies. Yeah, he probably shouldn't have shown me. Of course, like as you do when I was like fourish, like when Kill Bill came out, uh-huh. I saw it like around when it came out. Okay, when we got it on DVD. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I loved it. I thought yeah. this is like this is awesome. And so like I love Tarantino, and I it was something about just the way with film you can just visually do something. Yeah, and it's. It's hard to do that through words, you know? It is. No, absolutely. It's and very hard to do do it through words. I'm like, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of symbolism you can do just visually that it just, when you look at it, it's it's so satisfying to see in a way. Yes. Like visual trickery and different things like that. It's just, it's very fascinating. Yeah. I I, I mean, like, I think if, if you're someone that not only, like, reads novels, but then watches movies both, like, in the same capacity, like, they love it both equally mm-hmm. so much you start to realize, like, oh, my gosh, they're so different. The story you can tell is so different. Yeah. But if, if there's one person that just likes movies, one person that just likes books, I don't think they norm- they I don't think they get that the mode of storytelling could be so different. It, it's tell- amazing. Yes. And I think it's cool as a kid mm-hmm. to watch movies and be like, uh, when I was a kid, knowing that you could even, you're allowed to write movies mm-hmm. wasn't real. Like, I didn't realize that. Yeah, that's so that's very yeah. true. And then finding yeah, and it. then finding out it's real, you're like, oh, that's exactly what I want to do. Part of me also thought like mo- most movies are just like, oh, it's probably like some someone wrote a book. That yeah, someone, like, it's based <laughs> off of. yeah, yeah. That's like just what you think in the beginning. Yeah. Well, you um, you ever watch Lord of the Rings? Oh yeah. You ever read the book? No. <laughs> I'm in the process of reading the book. It's on. It's right there. I think my um, friend is too. It is. 
almost entirely exactly the way the book is. Yeah. Almost entirely. I mean, like... I feel like you couldn't... You can't adapt Lord of the Rings like that without it being... Well, we'll like, find out with Amazon's new TV show coming out. I'm not... I'm not... They, they've been doing well so far. Like, I don't have know. Have you seen Invincible? Oh, my gosh. Have you read Invincible? Oh, you just gave me the chills. No, I haven't. I've read it. It's like one for one almost. Well, like the, yeah. Have you watched the last episode? Yeah, I watched the whole thing. Because that I I read it. I Are you bring this thing close a little bit. Oh yeah. It won't be for the manhandle this either. Like true. Yeah. Okay. Because I was I was watching it and yeah. I, I pulled up the comic online and I was oh, kind of going exactly. like side to side. There were certain things like certain oh, phrases man. and stuff. It was oh, like so one cool. for one. That's so cool. And just hearing J.K. Simmons. Oh say come it, on, it just come like, on. Oh my god. Well, I think I love it. The problem with Lord of the Rings though is that they're trying to make a five season series based off a book that's two hundred pages. So it's like almost impossible. Like, I, did True. you watch The Hobbit? I watched the first one. See, you didn't feel compelled to watch the last two. Yeah, because it's not that good. It was alright. It's alright, exactly. So, I mean, like, and that's that's writing a book off of I don't know how many pages, like three hundred and twenty. I have the novel, and it was like it's it looked yeah, really it's, small. I'll see how many pages it is. I mean, like this might be different because it's like some crazy one, but it's uh, three hundred and fourteen pages. And to divide that up into, like, four movies, into, right? Yeah, no, three movies, four, yeah. Three? But even then, I mean, like, they added, like, so many things that weren't in the book. But, um... Yeah, that's, it just seemed weird. And it also seemed very, like... There was some moments in it that it just seemed like... I don't know if this was in the book, and it just seems yeah. like it's, like, over the well, top. Well, you know, the, like, the last battle of mm. was only five pages in the book. Really? And in the movie, it was, like, an, an hour and a half. <laughs> it was like, all right, we're Talk really going stretching for it out. Exactly. Um... So when the new Lord of the Rings comes out, I mean, like coming from a screenwriter's perspective, they are really scraping the bottom of the barrel, and then they're also just coming up with a whole bunch of new things. Mm. And I think going back full circle, kind of, is that it all goes comes down to money, and these directors and these director assistants, like people that are just reading screenplays to find good ones, it's like time is money. I don't have time for this one. This is garbage. Yeah. This is garbage. I don't have time to go through exactly. all these different ones. So it's like you're finding things that. Aren't probably aren't the greatest, mm. and then you're also always adaptations. Yes, too. and then the yeah, and then the adaptations creating things that were never there. Mm. It's just annoying. And then as a screenwriter, having to knowing that that's the industry you're going into, it's like you're either gonna have to create things that were never in the source material. Oh yeah. Or a director or production company is not gonna want to read your thing because or just you, get lucky. Because yeah, because you forgot something. Like mm. it's it's a it's disheartening. It's a hard industry to be in. Yeah, I th- I think that's part of the reason why I just I, I mainly want to just do it all myself. Yeah, of. yeah. So you, I'm I feel like most screenwriters I ask about like wh- their career path, what do they want to do? They all want to also be directors. Mm-hmm. So I feel like anyone that just wants to be a writer, they're they're probably better off doing novels. Yeah. But any screenwriter, most of the time, they also want to be the director because who wants to give their story to someone it's to like slaughter? It's like your baby. Yeah. Exactly. It, it's putting a lot of trust in someone you really don't know. And there's a chance if they buy it off of you, you might not even be in the credits. Yeah, and you won't have, like, final say over something. Yeah, nothing. When it's like, if someone's like, oh, I don't think this is important, but it's like, this this is, like, a huge, huge moment for, yeah. like, the character, for, like, the movie or something that... It, it exactly. doesn't appear like it, but it's, like, underlying. It's very important. Of course. So you're in your junior year yep. going through, uh, what school was it again? Montclair State. Montclair State. You're going through film. What's, and this is a hard answer, question to answer, mm-hmm. I ask almost everyone, what's the plan after that? Um, I've I've been thinking about it a lot. I, I really just want to s- try to start hitting the 
independent like film circuit just mm-hmm. doing festivals and stuff hopefully hopefully like make a big like make some name for myself there and then just try to sell scripts yeah from there like th- i think that's that's probably the best plan well what kind us. of scripts do you like to write what like what, what's the vibe what's the genre um this is i, I feel like most people uh don't expect this when i say it, but i always like the more existential stuff like where it's like very out there concepts mm-hmm. that it's like the characters end up questioning reality in some way now this is the second conversation i've ever had with you so i don't have <laughs> any expectations so that to me is just normal yeah why wouldn't people expect that from you though i feel like it's i, f- I feel like for most people i'm very quiet and like i, I don't talk about like different because th- a lot of my ideas come from just weird uh one-off thoughts that make me think oh what if this like my uh, how i mentioned my short series right now yeah um it's called meta it's i had the thought of like oh what if what if I had like? What if I just started hearing like someone writing the script for mi- my my life? Yeah, and then I was like, "That's actually kind of interesting." Didn't realize that w- that was kind of a movie already, but I haven't. I did a very was different version. Was that the one with Will Ferrell? Yeah, yeah. What's my that my screen? It's like Stranger Than Fiction. Stranger Than Fiction. Yeah. I I the only reason I know about it is because I submitted the script for a class, oh, and, they were and like my teacher was like, "There's a film that's very similar to this." steal everything you can from it that is awesome <laughs> yeah so um, i was like okay i've never watched it but like uh it, it's a it's very different because the two people are in the same world so that's in yeah that's in yeah. stranger than fiction so in yours it's n- i guess not like that yeah mine it's like basically it's like someone just hearing god and gotcha. kind of getting thrown off by it yeah that would be annoying yeah not only annoying but scary yeah yeah and then uh I have like a whole thing where it's like certain people start hearing the voice and they can't be controlled where everything else can be controlled by the narrator just typing something in the script. So you like bigger questions. Yeah. Okay. And I, I think that's always the most interesting. And that's more drama, right? Yeah. Yeah. Probably the easiest to make a story out of is like those. Yeah. I'm like, it's also easy. I also feel like it's easier to act in dramas than like mm. comedies. Oh yeah. Like it's harder to pull off. Uh, comedy. Yeah, I mean, like the the only <sighs> comedy is really hard, but if you if you have it, you have it, right? Oh yeah. But it, in drama, most people can develop that pretty easily, unless it's like some crazy Leonardo DiCaprio drama where it's like yeah. that. I don't know that one where he's like getting attacked by a bear. Or you ever seen what's eating Gilbert Grape? No, I haven't, but I know about it. I, well, I know that movie. DiCaprio, he's um. I don't know what the uh, kid has. I don't know if it's autism or um, Down yeah, syndrome. Because he was but mentally handicapped. Holy right? shit. He, he is so good. He got good. an Oscar, right? Oh, I have no idea. But probably. Or no, he didn't because he <laughs> n- he didn't get an Oscar until like The Revenant. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, the re- so, yeah. But he, Bro, I'm pretty sure he was nominated. It was so convincing. Yeah. It's phenomenal. So like that's that kind of acting. I don't I don't know where you find acting like that. But And then like Joaquin Phoenix type of thing. Yeah, like, yeah. Certain people just have it. Certain people just have it, but um, with comedy, it's definitely something that I feel like that's more of like a latent skill. Where like yes. drama, like how you're saying, it's like a muscle. You can yeah, like you can work you out. Can work out but comedy, you you kind of got to be born with it, man. Especially yeah. for a writer, mm-hmm. or for like, you could tr- maybe like write a joke here and there, but to write a script that's comedic, strictly comedy, it's like it. It's like I I forget. I I kind of learned this in in uh, screenwriting where yeah, it's yeah. like if you're writing a comedy script, it's like a certain number of minute it needs to be like 
Oh, that would make sense. Yeah, like you need to, it, like it constantly needs to be like something happening or else it's like, yeah, it, like what's the point? What's like, um, who's the guy that does Monty Python, not Monty Python, um, the Spaceballs. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. What I a love Mel Brooks. what a genius! So huh? so amazing. Are you kidding me? I, I watched Spaceballs over oh, and over again as man. a kid. Yeah, me too. Of I, I had it in my like I like you know how like your car will have like a, a DVD player. Yeah. I would just play it and just not replace it. So I was just like, yeah, oh, I guess Spaceballs yeah, yeah, yeah. is in. I'll watch it again. It's so funny. Um, it never gets old. It's people like that. Like we, there's these genius writers and filmmakers. That you know inspire people like you or I. It's like, well, I that's what that's what I want to do. Yeah. Um, and that's the whole thing where it's like everyone sees what people were like when they are already successful. They they don't realize how hard it is to get there. Do you feel like, um, especially when it comes to your writing teachers and professors, that in any way, someone else's input has actually made you a worse writer? Like, do you understand what I'm asking? Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of times in school where it. it it's not every time because, like, there's a lot of good uh, teachers. There's sometimes where it's, like, a teacher will give a note, and it's, like, I feel like I have to because it, it's the teacher saying to do it. Yeah. But it, it's, like, I, I just don't agree with what they're saying. Yes. But it's, like, I have to to get the grade in a way. So stupid. Uh, the same friend I was talking about before who's a really good screenwriter, he was telling me about how, uh, I don't know who it was, but this famous director nowadays, um, he when he went to NYU for screenwriting, he handed in a, a script, and the professor gave him an F. And he was like, okay. And then he dropped out of NYU, and then became, like, an amazing director. Like, mm. super famous. I can't remember what his name was. Um, if I went to... Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. But... um, It's amazing, though, yeah. too, like, how many directors that have made it huge didn't even go to school yeah. for it. Like, Let's, Sam Raimi. Yeah. Do you know Sam Raimi? Yeah. He, I'm pretty sure he went to school for, like, history or, like, law <laughs> yeah. or something like well, that. Well, fucking Nolan went for English. Yeah. And Tarantino just didn't go at didn't all. Didn't go anyway. <laughs> so th- the point I'm trying to make is that I, although I feel like, okay, writing books about writing, uh, reading books about writing, um, listening to people like Vinny, uh, talking to, you know, professors, teachers, other screenwriters, I think getting a huge pool of knowledge and experiences that other people have is always a good thing. But to Absolutely. listen to someone as if they're actually teaching you, I think that's wrong. I mean, like, I would be totally... I agree with that. Yeah, I would be totally and totally um, all for, like, writing clubs and, you know, writing organizations. But I feel like putting a grade on someone's creative work makes them feel like they could have been more creative yeah, or I feel less. Like, I feel like that's a, a thing that I've had with, like, different, like, art schools and stuff like that and, like, being in a film school. It's just, like, yeah. I feel like... It's a weird concept for someone to teach you how to be creative, you know? I feel like super. I feel like no one can really do that. Like as much as they can like teach you how to do like the technical aspects of it. It's just you you do have to have something yeah. there to begin with cuz it's it's as much as like filmmaking is a process. I feel like it, you got to have just talent on some level. Of course. Well, I, you know, <clears throat> I had a really good screenwriting professor, actually, because when he would grade us, he'd never grade us on, you know, our story or mm. whether or not he could understand where it was going. He would only grade us on, like, grammar, punctuation, syntax, all that, um, spacing, like, he, but he would never judge us on anything else, which is great. But then also, it's like, his job's kind of like, all he's just, he's just getting paid to read people's scripts. Yeah. Which, you know, I, everyone would need here and there, but that's, that's a good creative teacher but the other thing is 
I, I went to SCAD for like three months, and I talked to this writing teacher. He doesn't write screenplays. He writes novels. And he was telling me basically what he would teach me if I took his class. He's like, I was like, Mark, I can't teach you what to write. I can't teach you who you are or what your voice is. Mm -hmm. But when you find it, I can teach you how to use it. And I think, yeah, I think that's a good way to do it. You that know? is definitely the best way. It's like almost like a guiding hand more so than just yes. like building you up. And I feel like being, because anyone could be a, a writing teacher, but almost no one could be a good one. Oh, yeah, no. Because for you to be able to be patient for someone to find their voice and then be so intuitive to teach them how to use it mm -hmm. is incredible. I feel like the the best way to really, like, learn any of this stuff is just experience. To do it, yeah. yeah like, uh, honestly, it's it's more like, like, with writing, you do, you write uh, a script, get notes, and you realize, okay, I, I messed up here. I should have probably done this differently. And yeah. then, like... Like, I can't tell you, uh, just from writing, like, I think the best thing that I get out of school for screenwriting-wise is the notes I get back from people and yeah. just yeah. being able to just do drafts over and over again. And also, like, I think part of the reason why I, I'm really happy I'm in film school is it, it gives me some a reason to, like, get something done quicker. Because it's like you I have the that incentive. Deadline. It's yeah. like you got to do it instead of it just being like, oh, I'll I'll finish it eventually. It's like I have to finish it by this. So this time. be very honest with me and don't feel like you have to say yes or no or whatever. Are you a kind of person that you know, needs that outside source telling you you need to get this done? Oh yeah, absolutely. You, I'm I'm a very very notorious procrastinator. I've I've like been that my entire life. So it's like that discipline thing. Yeah. It's like you need a little push to find find your discipline. And I feel like that's also a, a big thing. Like in different writers that I've like watched people talk about like there's I forget I think it's the guy who wrote um you know the movie with like Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise where it's like you can't handle the truth oh yeah, yeah. you want me on that yeah. wall hell what's that called I don't know I think whatever I, I, like uh, I forget but I'm, I'm pretty sure, sure the writer for that said at one point um like you spend more time thinking about writing than actually writing yes you, like he said he spent like he had like 12 months to sh like write it and he spent the first like 6 months just being like uh well I got time uh, and then at 3 months left he's like I really need to write this script yeah. and out of desperation he cranked that out and it Mwah. yeah fucking what the hell huh so i also think a part uh, i think a good feel for writers is like that desperation and like yeah. n needing needing something putting a fire underneath you i think that's i feel like I wouldn't say I get, mm. I do my best work under that desperation, but I, I definitely, I'm definitely more efficient when I'm like that. You know, I'm happy you said this because it's, it's, it's making me reflect upon who I am and what mm. I do. Um, it's not like I didn't know that. It just but, takes realizing. hearing someone yeah. say it, and mm. you know, that's why like I do this podcast. I want to hear people tell me what I'm fucking up with, <laughs> you know? Because um, you're right. I mean, like, listen, I'm not... Let me be honest with you, I'm not a huge fan of film school for a lot of reasons. Oh, me too. Yeah. Me too. But the, well, you, one of the reasons why I usually tell people it's a good idea is if you want to make connections. Oh, yeah. If you have the money. I'm bad at that, yeah, though. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really bad we'll, at talking we'll, to people. We'll get into that <laughs> because if you, wanna, if you have the money to make connections, go for it. But you've yeah. just made me realize another good reason is it's putting a fire under your ass. Yeah. And because I feel like yeah. the, the, if the feeling of like missing that deadline, not getting that film out. It's like, what am I even here for? Or it's like, also like, it's Fuck like, man, it, you're, you're, it's God. also like holding yourself up against the it's other people in your right. class. Yeah. That's, I feel like that's the hardest part of film school. It's like when you hold yourself up against the people around you 
and like you you can't help but compare and yeah. it's just like well that person's idea is way better that person's shots look amazing that you are right so good you're totally right and <sighs> i feel like that's also why i i i want to especially after because going into film school i really wanted to be like a camera op and mm-hmm. stuff yeah but going in i realized i looked around i'm like I know absolutely nothing, nothing about, about how to <laughs> work a camera. Yeah, absolutely. These people are oh talking about God. f-stop. I've never heard what that even so means. I have that. I don't know what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it's just it's <laughs> what like the hell is that? It, it's a lot of technical stuff that I just had no idea going into. Yeah. It. And I was I was just like, uh, maybe that isn't for me. But I I still had writing, and so I was like, this is still my yeah my main like my main muscle for filmmaking. So I, I could still yes. hold my own with that. Yes. Um, so. Like when you're like, you're, you're totally right about everything you just said. And it's eating me alive though. Right. Like literally right now. It's cause you know, like, mm. although I've got a million things going on, I'd still like to write when I can, Yeah. but I always keep saying, ah, you can do it later. Oh my ah, God. But you got to fit. Cause yeah, I haven't, I, oh I, I don't think other than school, which like just finished and I finished yeah. like a script for that. But I, I don't think I've written a script for myself since, like, January. Really? Yeah, because, like, wow. especially with school, I feel like that's also a, a one negative for school, for film school. It's, like, I become very set on the specific project for each class. Yeah. And I, I don't do anything other than that. Because yeah. Because it's just, like, this is my time. This is what I need to focus on. I need to get the grade. And that just takes up all my time. And then I I end up not really working on any of my own like personal stuff that I want to get done. Well, this this week alone, I've recorded three episodes, mm. and like, and then I have to edit each one, and then I make like thirty to fifty TikToks. That sounds so stupid when I say that, <laughs> but out of each episode, right? Yeah, like, I mean, like there's I just posted one of Ava yesterday. Like, mm. like they're gonna be going on like for clips. Yeah, for a long time. Those are the best. Like yeah, for but I'm like, I do all this stuff and I keep saying to myself, I have to reorganize my week so I have time to write. And I'm like, I'll do it on Sunday. Oh, fuck. I messed it up. I'll I, do it next Sunday. That's exactly what I do. Yeah. I, I've been saying for like three weeks, I'm like, I, I just need to make a schedule for myself. I got to do it. I so do it I can just get everything done. Like the yesterday was like the first day I had to myself and finished a project I've been working on Good for job, like man. three months. Good. And like. It was. It's l- something we filmed with everyone in January. Everyone's been waiting, and I, I like had school. I couldn't finish it. Yeah, and then finally, I'm able to. Good get man. It done. Yeah. Now because of this, mm. as soon as we're done today, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. Yeah. Well, I got <laughs> someone coming up. We gotta, we gotta test some tech <laughs> stuff. I, I seriously do. If someone's coming here. We gotta. I actually have. To, uh, I forgot to message him. He might just come in while we're recording because he's gonna be here at like. Well, we're not gonna be here for like fucking two hours but he's gonna be our six but he's coming in we're gonna do some stuff so when he's gone then (laughs) i'm gonna go through my week schedule and write at least three four times a day uh a a week and then podcast twice a week like make sure i got everything down yeah you're reminding me it's like it's it's everyone gets caught up in the moment they don't realize that like you can't lose yourself yeah. to you know these things. You got to, you got to, like I said before we started, you got to be a human sometimes. And you, you gotta, you gotta keep what, like keep the things that you've been wanting to do in your head. Don't like you gotta just yeah find, find a way, find a way, find a way. So when you when your school's over, when you're like, all right, now it's time for me to you know join some indie stuff, indie projects, and everything. Mm. When or how or will you try to? you know, do your own stuff with a big budget where you try to like send out to production companies? Like what's your personal goal? 
my main goal, I I want to get to a point because like I I I started the production company Friendly Ghost yeah. and stuff with a few friends. I my main goal, I want to find a way to like, I don't know, I I want to help people make their projects too. Like I feel like it's so cutthroat with um Hollywood right now and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like real, real meaningful mm. ideas, real like just impactful ideas don't see the light of day and yeah. i feel like even just beyond film just like art in general because i feel like just people don't know what's out there like i took a class like do you know experimental films um probably there's some amazing experimental films out there that you just like i i had can no you define film. that for me as experimental film experimental film the the way my teacher talks about it it's films that ha- don't have like a set story or character like continuity but it it's it finds a way to still convey a meaning through like okay. imagery or sound in some huh. way and it it's always it's very much like you can do whatever you want like some guy took um old film and just started scratching it and it turned into these very beautiful like tapestries that he would put up and that huh. it, it would it would make people feel something almost like looking at a painting and then there's another one where this guy took old archival footage from like the 50s and took o- also like pop music from the 50s and just put like subtitles underneath it and retold the story of America through like a different like lens. Interesting. So it, it's very much like so you want to give people a platform? Yeah. I I feel like there's a lot more out there for art than people realize. Is that is that your main goal or is that like secondary to what you like I feel like that's the main one. I feel the main one in general is just find a way to just uh, sustain myself and continue. Yeah, releasing. of course, of course. And then, uh, but I feel like I I I want to find a way to use like any platform I gain or have to help people like in my position now, where it's like they they want to find a way to release their project, but they they don't want it to be like bastardized or like twisted. Yeah. In a getting it through to production companies. It's a, that's a <clears throat> that's a tall order. I mean, like, to yeah, try to figure out... You're just like, with Friendly Ghost or anything you might create in the future with another name, it's like creating a production company that's like... It's like, ah, there's some business that's like, we are we are for the artist or whatever. It's basically, like, kind of doing it like that. It's like, we exist, mm. so you can too. Exactly. So yeah. it's like... The amount of like funds, money, and like oh, that's a that's a large dream. Very doable. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it. It's as long as um, as long as we don't like lose ourselves along the way. Because I feel like there's a very lot of e- that happens very easily. Yeah, I feel like there's definitely a lot of production companies that started out that way. Yeah, probably like very altruistic and and stuff. But along the way, it's just either some people jumped on board or they the money got to them. But I, I feel like on some level, I I feel like. Art isn't what it used to be and what it could Ooh, be. Can you explain that one? Yeah, because I feel like um, it. if you look at Hollywood, it's always like these, like how we were talking about adaptations of like, or ad- adaptions of some book from yeah. like, uh, like Hunger Games or something, or it'll be like Fast and Furious 9, which people like, yeah. but, um, <laughs> or, or bringing back like Star Wars in yeah. a way and just like, just forgetting what it really meant yeah. in a way. Yeah. I feel like. That's that's something that's just because people are just looking for the buck, and in, in oh, of course, of and course, yeah, and that that's yeah. something like I I'm not going to be able to change that from the ground up, but I I I want to be able to do my part to help people get to a place where they can 
showed their art to people. You know, it's we talk about art. I always talk about how like the Mona Lisa, okay, mm-hmm. although it has a huge history behind it, and I'm gonna say something that's not true to me, but mm-hmm. it can be if I wanted to be. It's like the Mona Lisa is worthless to me. Oh yeah. Right, so it's like it's all what you put into it. Exactly, it's whatever this person thinks it's worth. It's mm-hmm. like I'm not gonna sell something to someone I, that if I have this sculpture in my hand, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna sell it to someone who thinks it's worth nothing. I'll sell it to that guy. He thinks it's worth ten dollars. So yeah. that's what I love about art because I yeah. feel like there's a lot of art, like with like say my experimental film that I like did for my final. I when I finished it, I was like, this is terrible. I I don't like it at all because I'm I'm not a very good editor. And it was, like, a lot of, like, editing stuff together, a lot of, like, moving parts. And I was just, like, I, I just don't like this. Yeah. And I gave it to my teacher. And, like, the idea was a lot about, like, war and discussing, like, the concept of just, like, is, is can there be a war fought for good? is Or is it just, like, all just a bad, bad, like, thing? Yeah. And um, my teacher was saying how when he was, when he watched it, he, he identified it with it, like, greatly because he thought of a, conversation he had with his father during vietnam when it was happening because his father was a like a holocaust survivor and he uh my teacher said he was afraid of getting drafted into vietnam but he was saying how like they had a conversation with each other about how uh the war in vietnam was um like just terrible but the father believed that that it was a righteous cause because he was thinking back to world war one and but in reality it was much darker than he realized. Yeah. So, like, I like the idea of, I like, I I went into it being like, this is just, th- this is terrible. I I hate I hate how it turned out. But the teacher, because he had something with him, he was able to see something in it that isn't that incredible. Away. Isn't that yeah. incredible? That's what I love about art, and that's why I think it's best for people if they have something. Like, that's what I'm saying. I wanted to say to you before because with all this stuff, like. Although in, incredibly uh, entertaining, like all the Marvel movies, the mm. DC movies, the, the I big, love like, all of them. Yeah, the big candy movies. You know, it's like although they're so much fun, they have their place in. Yeah, yeah. what's yeah. Uh, what's his name? Um, Shutter Island. Uh, uh, oh wait, uh, like the director? Yeah, Scorsese. Scorsese. Yeah. He, he's he's like, like a he's like angry. Park. Yeah, he's like yeah. angry at the Marvel movies. Like, get yeah. r- I don't want them to exist anymore. It's like, I understand what he's mm-hmm. saying, and of course, they're never not going to exist, but I I agree with him in the sense where I, I also agree with you. It's like, you want people to see the other art, but then you also have to like... I m- feel like there's also, y- if you look into mm-hmm. the Marvel stuff, they also have a oh, lot to no, say, Oh, no, of course, too. of course. Yeah. I feel like, uh, with Scorsese, I feel like he was very much being... I think he was, uh, he was upset. He, I, he was I, a yeah. little grouchy. Yeah, exactly. But uh, 100%. Yeah, I feel like even like comic books and perfect, like perfect way to say it. Yeah, every everything uh, like even the most basic form of stuff like children's books. Like I, my f- best friend, his dad wrote uh, a children's book and oh, got cool. it like published and stuff. Like even that has it's like very arbitrary. It's very like basic. Yeah, well, but it's very meaningful and it it has something that it's like yes. trying to convey. Because what I was trying to say is that for you to want to put produce or put out like different kind of art you have to know who your audience is exactly and it's like and the audience will pick up what you're trying to put down yes um again when it comes to like youtube Mm. you can make an incredible video and it never gets any views but then for some reason five years later it's an everybody's recommended exactly because it finally found its audience Mm. um 
so it's and like I feel like with YouTube, it's a game of just pers- yeah. like I feel like they they say with art and just the industry in anything like music, film, TV, everything like that. It's really ever just persistence. Like if most people, they just are like, they quit like when they're like a year away from making big. It's, you say it's that about just, like everything too. Yeah, they say as long as you just you just stick th- you stick it through, you'll make it th- you'll make it to the other side yeah, they, most likely. They even say that about like romantic relationships where mm-hmm. it's like you had an argument and little did you know, like two months from now, if you just figured it out together, that was a dog. <laughs> if you just figured it out together, you would have probably been together for the rest of your life. There's a book, my friend, who's going to be here at 6, 6 p.m. actually. Mm. The book my friend read, who, it was like talked about love. And I'll relate it back to this where it's about most people don't realize this, but in relationships, there's different parts of it. Like there's in the beginning where it's like the honeymoon phase. Oh, yeah. Where they're like, yeah. you could do no wrong. And then there's that second part where you're actually learning about each other and you start realizing you like start realizing the flaws and, and you start remembering that way I matter too. I want to put some sometimes I want to put myself first before you. And then there's that third part where it's that's it. It's either it's going to work or it's not going to yeah. work. And it's like a equilibrium like yes. you, you just And if it works, make, yeah. if you figure out how to make it work, you communicate, you discuss then it's great. Then you got mm-hmm. it for the rest of your life. But and most sometimes it wavers, but yes, like usually you'll yes. be able to bring it back. And but most of the times, though, and I'm, I don't want to say most of the times, but a lot of times it ends there. Mm-hmm. People don't realize if you just did the work, it would have happened. And that's the same thing with this, with what you were just saying, which, like, if you kept going, if you knew, like, as a writer, mm. you know your story is good. You know you have a good story to tell. You might need to work on how you tell it, but you know it's a good story. Yeah. If you just keep going who knows how long it'll take right i don't think it'll take forever but it's going to take some time mm-hmm. you will come out on the other side winning it's going to take some time though i feel like that's also um one of my favorite stories of all time like because i i have like very very uh uh wide reaching tastes like have you ever heard of um you like you know anime a little yeah, bit right of course you, have you ever heard of berserk no that i feel like that is one of the best of all time and it's an uh, anime it, it's more manga. The the okay. the anime is pretty shitty. <laughs> okay. Um, there's three movies on Netflix, so they're pretty good. All right. But the main con- the theme of it is like the constant struggle of life, and it's how like life there's always just gonna be these insurmountable tasks that you're gonna be going up against, and um, it, it's gonna feel like it's terrible, and it's gonna mm-hmm. feel like it's you're not gonna be able to get through it. But as long as you just keep persevering and pushing through it, you'll yeah. like you'll find the strength. And you'll find, like, as long as you look deep enough, you'll find a reason to keep going. Well, that's one of those other things where people will, you know, like, I, I literally said before, mm-hmm. I'm an idiot for saying it, but I said it before. It's like, oh, if, uh, I'll make the new schedule today. Oh, mm-hmm. I fucked up. I'll make it next week. Oh, I fuck. I'll make it next week. People keep thinking that if they just finish or fix this one thing, oh, finally I could relax. Yeah, everything will be, everything will Which be Which isn't true. It's, I mean, like, it's a constant struggle. And I think most people, including myself, realize it a little too late that no matter what you do, life is going to be that constant struggle. I mean, do some people struggle less than others? I do believe mm. so, but everyone does struggle. Um, and like I keep saying, oh, if I can just, you know, make sure everyone comes to their, you know, podcast on time, or if I make sure I can edit it at this certain time, that I'll be a lot more relaxed and I can do things I want to do. But then you have to control but, everything yeah, around but you. But then I end up yeah. doing exactly what I said. But then giving myself more work because if I because I'm like oh well now I got all this time, mm-hmm. look at all the stuff that keeps getting piled on. 
So you're always gonna there's always gonna be stuff to do, um, no matter how much you get done, no matter how much you do, and no matter how much cons- how consistently you work, people think they're just gonna be able to fix it by doing this one thing, and that's not true. It's not true. Yeah, it's never ending. And 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 with writing, it's like. I feel like there's all, you you will always get better with writing. Like it's not yeah. like it's yes, there's yes. never one set point. When I write, because what well, what I do is, I I decided to venture out into this project, this experiment, whatever. Where mm. I don't write anything, I literally just take flashcards or uh, what's it called, legal pads, and mm. plan every single beat of an entire novel. And when I'm done with that, then I'll write it. That that's what I do for screenwriting. Yes, because um. One one writing style that I'm fascinated by, but I could never do it because I'm like the way I listen to you know George R. R. Martin, yeah, Game of Thrones, yeah. I li- I listen to him talk about writing a lot because he the way he talks about it's fascinating. Like he 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 talks about two different types of writers: the architect and the planter. I've heard this before. Yeah. I think oh, you tell me though. I'm. I am very much an architect, no matter how much I want to be a planter, because I can't help but intricately plan every... This is a... Yeah. This go. Because with architecting, it's like you you plan out every single detail so yep. that it's like you write from one point to the next to the next. And I always end up doing that. But George R. R. Martin, the way he writes, he has an idea of where he wants to go, but he lets the characters almost take it. That's so stressful. And, yeah. and maybe for someone like him who's written his whole life, he's sure. He says how much he writes himself into a corner, though, because it's like, the, the I guess the, the idea of how he writes, it's like you build up these characters, they become almost like people of themselves, which is kind of like a, a concept for meta in a way, where it's okay. like you, you, you build up this character and they almost take up a life of their own. Yeah. And it's like... With Game of Thrones, these people have such set like personalities, drives, and stuff like that. You could almost think, well, what what would they do in this situation? And they're like, okay, well, um, based on everything that's around them, they would do this, and so uh, eventually they all start going out, yeah, and, and they all start growing and planting, and then he realizes like this is getting a lot more out of hand than I've realized. Yeah, well, it's, it's mm. like you're creating an organism. Yeah. I mean, like, but... And that's what I... Also, another thing I love about certain stories, how it's like it, it does take on a life of its own at a certain point where it's like you, you think about it, it's like... Think of, like, the story you've thought of for the longest time. Yeah. Where it start from where it is now. It's like com- yeah. completely different. It, it It grows. It grows. Yeah. Which makes you think about, like... What if, uh, you know how you, you keep saying, I don't want to write my Magnus Opum until I'm ready to write it? Yeah. Like, what if, if you wrote it five years ago, it would be to- wouldn't be as good. I, like... like even, uh, just, even in just story. Yeah, one of them, one of my ideas, I have, like, five seasons of ideas, and, or five, like, volumes if it's, like, a comic book, because it's, yeah. like, a superhero thing. But it's, like, I I thought of, like... It's gone to the point where it's like I've changed the starting point for it a few times. I've changed the order around, and I've completely added in plot lines, characters, concepts, to the point where it's a completely new beast in it yeah. in its own right. Isn't that fascinating mm-hmm. how it just builds like that? I mean, like, but like what I was saying about <clears throat> George R. R. Mar- George R. R. Martin is that correct? <laughs> he must have been writing for such a long time that although he backs himself into corners, as he says, he can do something like that. And that's mm-hmm. why Stephen King, 
I don't. I've read his book on writing, and I don't think I ever remember him once saying that he planned anything. He kind of just writes it. This man is arguably the best writer of our time. I think yeah. he's the second richest in the world behind J.K. Rowling, and she's only rich. Or um, James Patterson too, right? He's he's got a lot. Yeah, yeah he's probably up yeah. There. But um, J.K. Rowling only has the most money out of all authors because she owns uh, the mo- the mo- whole she movie. Franchise. Owns Harry uh, Potter. Yeah. Like, a- if you buy a T-shirt at Hot Topic, she's she's getting some of that money. Um, <laughs> but um, like Stephen King's cool though. He'll like give like independent uh, filmmakers like an entire story for one dollar. Yeah, he's yeah, cool. I, I but one. like he just writes and writes and writes and writes without planning, mm. and that's because it's in his blood. And he's been writing since he was a little kid. So I mean, like, if you can do that, you can do that. But then I like I know I'm not there yet. You might feel like one day you'll be there, but I, w- I want to get you want to get there. Place. But I also feel like. It it just feels so impossible at times. It does feel impossible. I also feel like you're gonna get, and this is me, man, and this is me. And fuck, I don't know shit, mm. but I do feel like most of the times you'll get a better story if you do plan. You see that paper up there with words that you can't read because they're so small. That's me planning. I have I have two whiteboards in my house that are completely filled and have been filled for months, waiting for me to take yeah, all of those notes and put yeah. them down into a script. I used to um, before I moved into this place. I um would run out of room on my table and I'd have no paper to write on. And I'd have, oh my gosh, I got an idea. And I'd just start writing on the wall. So in my <laughs> old house, there was writing all over the wall. And uh, before we painted over it to move, I took pictures of everything so I could transfer it onto paper. Mm. I feel like uh, having a board like that is a real game changer. Yeah. Like then just yeah. putting it on like a, a phone, like being able to like put it out and like write it out. There's nothing more convenient than paper. No matter how far into the future we will move, I always think paper will be the most convenient. Mm. You know, uh, at some point it's going to be messy and it's going to be too much, but for the most part, it's like the most convenient form of reading and writing. Especially, it's easy to keep track of everything. Yeah, like eh, like it's sometimes if yeah. you're if you're good at like uh, packaging it and like or organizing, it, it, you have no problems. Yeah, yeah. But if you're like me, I'm pretty messy. Well, no, <laughs> I just throw. I it get in, like, it. I drawer. get it. I also heard. I don't know if it's true. I heard that. Um, writing with like pencil and paper pen and paper whatever your brain the way it connects to your brain is way different than you typing and you actually are more creative when you physically write something than when you type something don't know how true that is but i heard it i could see that i tried and writing a script by hand that that's a that's hard well writing a script is definitely different I, mm. i'd write the beats by hand but i could I not did that too. yeah i could not do the yeah i'd have to use like celtics or what's the other one that cost two hundred dollars i use fade in Fade in. Fade in's good. Wait, what's the one I'm talking about? It's green. It's I think it starts with an F. Um, it's like standard. It's like industry standard. Is it like is it an Adobe thing? No, it's it's for literally just screenwriting. It's um, I I oh think I probably know. Oh my gosh. Anyway, what's fade in? Fade in is like, it, it's very basic. I think it was like only like ninety bucks for a student. Oh okay. And it has That's it, still a lot of money. It's ve- yeah, I know. It's very e- like compared to some of the other programs though. It's 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 like a, a steal. What am I thinking of? Because the one I'm talking about is like a lot of money, but it's industry standard. Mm. It's um, there's a lot of those I'm type of things that like get so angry. Uh, like even if you go by Premiere and like yeah. talk about that, that's expensive. But you could get by with like uh, I think it was like what was it? there's op- there's a lot of open source ones. Yeah. So like DaVinci. Um, do oh yeah, that DaVinci Resolve. Th- that costs money though, but it it's, it's okay. not a, it's not a subscription. I think it costs. <coughs> actually, no. It, uh, it no there's no, one no. of those. That I'm pretty it, sure that is. There free. is one that is free, but it's not as good. I think 
my friend just it's bought. It's like iMovie, probably. Yeah, my friend just bought DaVinci, and I think it cost him like ninety bucks. Mm. But you never have to pay again. Whereas, um, anything Adobe is like twenty dollars a month. Yeah. Um, and it's worth it if you have like a a business. Otherwise, it's like I don't twenty dollars a month is a lot for me to you know do all this stuff. Like that's if it, you could get by with like I I think most people could get by with like Premiere and like Audition. Yeah. Well, I use um I actually only use Filmora. Oh really? Yeah, and it's like an editor for people that don't know how to edit. Okay. It is awesome because uh, it it cost me sixty dollars and I have it for my entire life. Um, trying to use Premiere as someone that can't edit is like yeah, like <laughs> it's one day, one day I'll get there, but I cannot do it right now, and I don't need it right now. I also feel like I don't have the patience for it. Yeah, well, you know Photoshop. Mm, I I took a class in it. So in freshman year in there's school. an open source version of Photoshop shop. It's called GIMP. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's <laughs> ridiculous, but it's literally Photoshop just free. That's pretty awesome. It's though. awesome, and it's open source, which means it gets updated, like. Like, once every two months or something. Like, people yeah, are, like, always updating it. There's hundreds of thousands of tutorials on YouTube on how to use it. And also, there's Inkscape, which is also free and open source. I think it's open source, but it's free. And hundreds of thousands of u- tutorials. So, th- you can always find a lot of really great things. The problem comes when you get, you're, you're part of a job mm-hmm. or you want to submit something that requires you to use Adobe because it's industry standard. Yeah. And that's what's stupid. And you can't say like, oh, I have someone that basically does the same thing. Yeah. It's like, no, no we, we I'm want sorry. Adobe. Can't do it. Like, oh my gosh, that, that <laughs> annoys me. But what I have, the cheap thing I have, it works. And that's one thing you, you got to know too, as a writer with buying software or as an editor buying software, it's like, although you might want to get, you know, Adobe because it's industry standard. You know, if it works for you, don't feel undervalued. You know, it works. You get the job done, and you're you're making strides. Then keep doing what you're doing. You know. Yeah, no, honestly, whatever gets the job done. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's exactly. a big big part of this industry. It's like you just whatever you can do to just get it done. Yeah, especially like on sets and stuff. So, uh, speaking of on set, so you, I don't know if we were recording when you said this to me. You might have been. You said that you don't like being behind or in front of the camera, you like being off to the side writing it, right? Yeah. Do you have any interest in being a cinematographer, like painting yeah. a picture with the camera? I, because uh, I, I like, I like working the camera a lot. I like also, because like, when I think of an idea, I, I can see it. Like, yeah, well, it's I, your I eyes that are, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I, I definitely like being able to uh, use the camera and I think I'm, I'm decent with it. I, I can frame things pretty well. But I I have a lot of, like, I get the feeling of, like, pressure where it's like, okay, this is, like, on me. If I mess this up, it's, like, the, it, the entire shoot's fucked. Yeah. And that's where it's, like, uh, I, I'm a little apprehensive. I feel like on film sets, especially for people like us, where it's, like, we're not, like, some big-time people. Mm-hmm. It's, you you got to be, of course, be humble. But you also got to walk on the set, even if you don't know what you're doing. Walk on, like, you're confident. Because if you're confident, it usually gets the best out of everyone else. Because yeah. where you lack, just because you're confident, other people are going to pick up on it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, I don't know how to use a camera, but I know what I want it to look like. The person that does not use a camera, because you seem confident and you're ready to do this, they're going to be like, I'm ready to work with you. Let's figure this out. Yeah. But if you walk in and you're sh- like shy, um, you might get the job done, but finished product isn't probably not going to be that good. So you got to be confident about going in. Um, especially like it, in the the group that we work with, a lot of them are doing this as a hobby or like they want to get into the industry on some level. I'm like one of the only people that have like in film school, like 
I, yeah. I, I know all the technical stuff. So it's like, you, yeah. you have to kind of hold yourself to the point where it's like, I, we'll get this. I, you I know got how this. before you said, um, like there's so much of stuff with like has to do with the camera and you're like, I have no idea mm-hmm. what any of that means. It's Same. like just figuring it out. But yeah, finding a way to, I feel like even like the best, like I do a second show on this podcast mm-hmm. called screenshots and it's, uh, we talk about, we review m- movies. Uh, the movie comes out on Friday. The episode comes out on Saturday. Okay. Um, the last one we did was army of the dead. I and heard that was good. It was really good. I loved it. Go watch the episode guys. Uh, <laughs> it's, the second episode of screenshots. Anyway, um, the kid I a kid he's my age. The per- the the man the person I do that show with my co-host name's Johnny. He's the guy I keep talking about. He's like a phenomenal screenwriter, and he's my in film. I don't think I could have been blessed to be around anyone other than him and our other friend Kayla. Like they have done so much for me when it comes to film and just being good supporters of what I do and That's vice versa. Very important, right? And. Even he, the best filmmaker I know in my circle, mm-hmm. will say, bro, I don't know any of the technicals of absolutely yeah. anything. I don't know, you know, what a dirty shot is. I don't know what, like, this this OV. Like, he doesn't know, well, I don't want to, you know, make him sound like <laughs> shit. He knows a lot. But he doesn't know any of the words for these things. Me but either. he is phenomenal. And that's that's mm-hmm. what I feel like a lot of pretentious people you know, I don't like understand. That's that's, uh, like, not everyone. Just in case anyone at Montclair is watching this, but fuck like, you, fuck you guys. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. There, there's like a there's a handful of people that like when I first saw them, I was like, God damn, like, do I have to be in class with these? Yeah, people? Oh my gosh, yeah. Like, there's some people <laughs> that come across so like pretentious. Yeah. And they feel like they know so much, and it's it just. Yeah, I feel man. like it gives it like a really bad name. Yeah. It's so annoying too because in this is this is where I get caught up and this is where I kind of try to bring myself back to earth mm. because like we said before, some of uh, the best filmmakers didn't go to school for film. Yeah, and a lot of amazing filmmakers don't know anything technical. They, they are just they, good yeah. storytellers. They could just get it done. They know what they want. And that's why before I asked you about if has any professor or teacher made you feel like you've act, it stunted your growth as a writer because I feel like a lot of times when you get people that are pretentious or people that know a lot and think that, hey, this is how I learned. You should learn it this way too, end up hurting the creative, um, creative being the person. So I feel like, and I'm not someone who anyone should take advice from, honestly, but if you were to, if you're a creative person, Keep your ears open. Of course, listen and be respectful. When it comes down to do the work, listen to no one but yourself. And then yeah. when it's over, if you fuck up, then you'll learn. But in the process, in the journey, do exactly what you want to do. Because no one's going to understand the story you want to tell until it's finished. It's so your story. Yes. So if someone tells you you're writing it wrong, mm-hmm. don't listen to them because they're reading an unfinished product. Exactly. Do you. You know? I feel like that's also a big thing with... Uh, like a technical school like that. They're teaching you how to do the technical stuff. Yeah. And it's like you still have to... There's a whole other aspect to filmmaking that uh, people... Some people forget going into film school. But yeah. it's like they're learning all the technical stuff. The teachers are focusing on that stuff. But there's a whole other side to it. The creativity and stuff like that. Where yeah. It's like... I feel like that's always going to be more important. That's the thing you kind of have to, like we said before, you got to be born with, like the comedy. You got to yeah. learn a lot of things you have to learn yourself. And like not just like 
sure, go online and figure this stuff out. But some things you have to like kind of be born with. I or mean, surround like, yourself with people that. Of course, you, you want to be a small fish in a big pond. Like that's, and if you end up being a big fish in a small pond, you got to move to a new pond. Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta be small in a big place so you can learn more. Um, yeah, I feel like that's also a big part of like how this started too. It's uh, me finding people that kind of yeah. fill in the cracks. Ah, I, I say have. it all. I said all the time. The team is the most important part. And and I know I, before, like literally two seconds ago, I just said how you don't, you know, you do you. Will listen to yourself first before anyone else and finish your story. Yeah, of course that's important. But also, if there's people that you respect their their opinions of, and you, em- and you want to emulate them or you look up to them, yeah, then of course listen to what they have to say. But you have to be good at knowing who your team should be. And it's it's always going to be your decision at the end. It should be. Don't yeah. ever feel like it can't be. Don't mm. be afraid. Don't be embarrassed, and don't be afraid that you're going dis- to disappoint. Oh my gosh, you're gonna you're gonna lose so many years on your progress if you're worried about how other people want you to do it. Yeah, I feel like that's also a big thing that a lot of like successful writers talk about, where it's like the early projects where it's like they weren't able to get it done the way they like always wanted yeah. it. It's like you have to remember. It's not like it, once you write a script and it, it's already made, it's it's really not like you could do it again, you know? Yeah. So just work on it like like it's your baby. Exactly. You got to work on it like it's important to you. I don't know who it was. It was some novelist. They were saying, listen, I love my editor. Best mm-hmm. person in the world. But fuck editors, yeah. okay? <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> um, it's actually like Tolkien, he has – so he's a – I don't know if this is correct. He's a linguist. He studies yeah. languages. He's a professor. Because yeah. he also did uh, Elvish. I'm yeah, well, sure he, he did made a real. No, 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 no. Language. He did every single. He did um, Elvish, Dwarvish. Um, he had a language for uh, was it uh, dark, dark speak? Yeah, which is called I think dark, black speech. Mm-hmm. So I don't know he had several languages. A whole bunch. Of, he had uh, like one for a th- type of race of men. Like he had a lot. I, I love when like the yes. creatives go. Into, well, that's like, where like it that. came from. That's where his. He always had this story he wanted to tell, but he made languages and he found a way to put a story he created a plan inside of his head basically mm. but what i'm saying is he w- he was a professor and he had a, he was so angry because the correct spelling of dwarves is d w a r f s and he hates that he hated it yeah. so in every I, single I I yeah every that. single time he wrote dwarves in his book it was with a v mm. and the editors kept sending it back uh fixing it with an f and he's like no 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 no. i'm pretty sure that uh, was the same with elves too yeah um i don't know about that i th- no, like I the think plural at least i think elves is with a v plural i think because then sure. if it if it's f's it's like santa's elves i'm not sure i don't know the, well the point the point is uh, this man who wanted to do it the exact way he wanted to do it a professor in i think it's linguistics i'm not yeah sure. Yeah, he was telling these editors, you morons, I want it to be this way, <laughs> um, which is funny. They're not morons. They're hard workers, but. It's like no one y- will understand you got you. You got to do it the way you want to do it, you know? I'm like, I-, I said this a while back ago for a video I made a long time ago where it's like, people are going to judge you, which makes sense. And you should judge other people. People say, don't judge. That's impossible. You're going to judge every single person you meet or walk by. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. What you need to do is when someone judges you, don't say, don't judge me. No, 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 no. Pick apart how they judge you and see how much merit they hold. Mm-hmm. And then use that to decipher who you should be and what you should change if you should change it at all. I agree with that. So as a writer, you know exactly what you want and people are going to judge you. 
it's up to you to decide how much merit that person has. Yeah, especially like if you're getting notes, uh, a lot of people take like offense to notes, and it's just like this, like this is a masterpiece. Why are you? How are you saying and this you know, is bad? And sometimes it is a masterpiece, yeah. and and they don't see it that way. And sometimes it is shit. Yeah, you, so know? you have to be able to look at it like um, without like being biased and be like, okay, yeah, I, c- I see where these people are coming from. That yeah. is a good point. Listen, there's, like yeah. there's there's seven to eight billion people in this world. You're gonna find an audience. Yeah, that's the only. I think that's the only way you're gonna get like close to perfection with art is like listening to the people around you and being able to yeah. decipher what's yeah what's accurate because th- you're not gonna be able to do it alone. Well, I think the hardest part is especially with um anything art, anything like YouTube or Twitch, like yeah. streaming, is f- finding people that like your stuff, like finding an audience. Mm-hmm. And I would say they're, they're out there. The people that are gonna want to read your screenplay, your novel, the people that are gonna want to watch your movie, your cartoon, read your comic book. They are out there. The hardest part is finding them. Yeah, getting it to them. Yes, but what you shouldn't do is rush yourself to find your audience mm-hmm. by changing your story. Yeah, don't lose yourself for sure. Of course not. And and it's abs- I don't see it happen too often only because I'm not I'm no longer in this writing clique anymore like I'm I've moved elsewhere. Mm. But when it does happen it, it's awful when people do change who they are to Yeah, it's sad. to others. It sucks, um, especially if you're someone that liked, like if you have a friend, you like their story, and then they had to feel like they changed it because someone else didn't like it, you know? Yeah, it happens. It mm-hmm. happens. Um, but, you know, like, stor- good story. Like, okay, so The Stand, Stephen King, that's, like, the l- biggest book I've ever read. I-, I think it's 1,400 pages, and that's actually the uncut version. Originally, when he published it, he had their, he was asked to remove... I think four or five hundred pages. Okay. Yeah, a like lot. An entire book. An entire like yeah, an entire book, entire two books. Um, and then I, I, when he became famous, he was like, "All right, now I'm gonna re-release it the way I wanted to do it," and it's the only version people buy anymore. I mean, yeah. I feel like that's the only one that that honestly matters. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, like he said though that what he had to cut out was really just like references from the '80s and like small like builds up to bigger things um he's like it wasn't entirely necessary but it ultimately it's a part of the story mm-hmm. and i think that build up with characters is a part of who they are like you were saying before about jr uh, martin how he he builds his character he plants them and he they grow yeah and that's a part of the story and someone is saying you got to remove that just because they don't like it. It's like, man. Yeah, or because it's too long. There's too much space. Like, yeah. Have you have you ever gone back into your script and like tried to pull out unnecessary lines? Yeah, of course. One, like if you pull out one line, you have to change. Yeah, I'm the like, oh great, the below. entire thing is different yeah. now. So it's like chain reaction. Even just removing one small thing, it's like you have to rewrite everything around it to fit it. Fit, yeah, like fit the change. Mine, Johnny. I'm, I, I bring up Johnny so often. Whenever I have like a <laughs> film person on, I got to stop doing that. Anyway, Johnny, uh, he just finished writing a final draft to his uh, script that we are going to film maybe in like two or three weeks. And um, when he made his first draft, he talked to myself and another one of our friends. He was asking us our opinions. And I was like, all right, man, I'm going to tell you exactly what I think. And I told him why I think some things confused me, why I don't get this, why I felt like he was telling me how to feel and not showing me how yeah. to feel. And That's I, helpful. Yeah, and I gave him all this stuff, and, and so did our other friend. We, we told him exactly what we thought, and then he's a hard worker. He made two or three more drafts after that, and mm. now we, now he's done. And um, although I'm, I've yet to read it because I haven't had time, he said that he fixed a lot of what we had problems with, and 
he must have had to, yeah, change so much. Yeah. And it must have taken him so long to just make everything make sense again. S- sometimes you're better off just going back and just restarting the whole thing. Yeah. Just being like, okay, that I could keep that. I, I mean, mean, I could just you copy ever, that over. There's a book over there. I don't want to get him and get it. It's uh, The Anatomy of Story. Mm, I think I've, I think I had to read you, it a little bit for school. You need to read it on your own time, mm. the entirety of it. I still have, okay, this is actually hilarious. I read, I have, I think, 50 pages, maybe 40 pages left, and I stopped. Mm. Because at the where I stopped, it said, while I was reading it, I was writing. Okay. And then it said, okay, now do this. I was like, huh. I don't feel comfortable doing that yet until I know where this part of my story goes. Mm. So I put it down, and for the last, and this is, it's a novel, it's not a screenplay, so it's taking a while. But for the last year... I put the book down and I started planning everything. And as soon as mm. I'm done planning it, I can read the last 40 pages. Planning a novel is hard. It's hard. <laughs> so fucking hard. Again, like I, I keep saying this, like that's a like there's so many reasons for why I started Friendly Ghosts. Like it, it one of the main things that started was my friend and I kind of like we were both really into Game of Thrones and like okay. really into like different art forms, and we we're just like well, let let's do our own. And so we we spent like few months just trying to write out an entire plot line for this entire like fantasy world. Yeah. Stuff like that. And it's so difficult. Yeah, you know what's really hard to do? Mm. Is find a good illustrator that believes in your story. Oh my god. I that's I'm, hard. I was trying to I've I was working with one uh like comic artist to try to do because the uh Magnum opus from like high school, yeah. I was trying to get like character designs for them mm-hmm. so that like I have something to look at when I plot it out. And like he was only able to do like one, and then like, uh, it was just like he got busy, and then we just yeah, stopped talking. It sucks, man, because so most of the time it's not their fault. Like, like even you, you got busy with yeah. school, so you couldn't. And he he's at like a art school for like drawing yeah. comic books and but stuff. But just like most screenwriters want to be the director, mm. most illustrators they want to want to write. Mm. So it's when you're uh, when you got a good story like i've got a comic book idea too of course a lot yeah. of people do but exactly yeah you know you got it but no one out there is capable or ready to or anything to draw it out for you there are times i like it's i hard, actually man. i debate just doing it stick figure <laughs> yeah. just to show to someone just to show to someone but yeah. It, yeah it's it's so hard like i have two friends who are phenomenal artists mm. And they have their own stories that they want to write. And I'm like, I can't get mad at you for that. Mm. Um, so, like, going back to it, the, the team is so important. And to find people that want to do the same things you want to do, but that aren't trying to control the whole thing. I mean, like, when it comes to yeah. being on a set, it's like, if you're the director, I don't, I don't remember who it was. I think it was Tarantino had to di- direct something, and he was being mentored by some other director. And Tarantino... Like, holy shit, fact check me on this, because it, it was, su- it, this is a true story, don't know if these are the right people, but Tarantino was like, I don't know, like, there's so much I have to do right now, like, I'm I'm so overwhelmed, I'm getting so stressed out, and then I guess his mentor or whatever, like, no, li- listen, listen, mm-hmm. you don't, you're the director, you don't do any of that, you hire people you believe in and trust to do that work, Yeah, and that's what being a director is. Finding and a way to delegate. Yes. So when you build a team, although you should not be like this control free kind of like I'm better than everyone, you 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 do need to be able to know who is good at what. And having it's a lot of having faith in people. Exactly. And then the other thing is with that faith, it's like you need to find people as excited and 
faithful passionate. as you, yeah. passionate as you. Mm, Otherwise, there's like well, the whole thing. It's like we're only strongest as the weakest link. And and honestly, that's really true because when a tr- when a chain breaks, it's not because all of them were strong. It's because one of them was weak. Yeah. So you need to find a good set of people. And it's really hard. If I feel like we got lucky. You guys got lucky, yeah. yeah. If you go to college, though, like we were saying before, if you have the money to pay for, if for film school at least, if you have the money to pay for networking and for meeting people, do it. The o- I went to SCAD for only three months, and almost every single person that I talked to there, my grade, underneath my grade, above my grade, they all said I would not be going here if I didn't have the money. I would not be going here mm. if my mother or father did not work here. The only reason I'm here, the only reason I can see that's good for going here is the connections. Yeah. And even SCAD kind of even like promotes itself that way too, yeah. where it's like, come I feel like a lot yeah. of schools do. Come here because we know people. Mm. I, and that internships sucks. And, like and that. internships, yeah, that kind of sucks. But it's like, bro, I don't have 20 grand to spend every two and a half months yeah, to meet genuinely. people. I don't have that. So when you come to pla- little places like New Jersey and like our, our our town's big or small, if you're in like Texas or Colorado, like trying to find a community is so hard. But we're kind of blessed in our age to have like things like Reddit, and like Twitter and Instagram, yeah. like of course. But um, finding a good team without a school, without a university is very hard. So yeah, you get, you get, you can get lucky. You can get lucky, but not a lot of people do. So yeah. Uh, I, I'm I'm very fortunate to have the yeah. people that we do. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm like I I don't know where Friendly Ghost is in their journey and where they're going and what they're um Yeah, neither do I. Yeah, I mean like <laughs> cuz it's it, it's really it's really hard. I mean like a lot of people get very overzealous and what they do is they'll cl- go they'll, too fast. They'll go too fast. They'll try to get so much um, and then they get to a point where they realize like, holy shit, I have so much responsibility and I yeah. do not have enough time, enough resources, enough people to actually follow through with any of this. What do I do now? And then the entire thing just gets carried away. So, I mean, like, I'm sure you've experienced that. Have you ever heard of uh, Rooster Teeth? Oh, oh my gosh, yeah. man. Aside from a lot of things that recently happened, Funhouse was my favorite yeah. thing ever. I watched the, I watched them since they were called Inside Halo. I, I've watched Inside Gaming. Yeah, well, did you watch when they were Inside Halo? Like, we were young. That was even before, That's yeah. before I knew what an email address was. Like, that, was that was before Machinima, right? The, um, I th- or just at the start. I think that was just at the start because they had, they had, like, a weekly episode, and then, like, Adam Kovic was like, hey, I can do an entire series called Inside Halo. <laughs> and they were like, all right, do it. And like, look at where like he got like he. he well, look where he got. <laughs> yeah. Well, before everything happened. Yeah. Uh, like especially like Bruce Green, uh, Lawrence, and all them. Yeah, they, James. They all they Elise. were able to become like these huge personalities on, on Twitch. So cool. Yeah. Or what about Haunt, Alana Pierce, who's also a yeah. screenwriter? She yeah. That, she is that was the, the coolest. Craziest. That was the craziest. I saw that she she left to go to Monica's he, uh, Santa Monica Studios. Yeah. What game is she working on? Do we know? I think God of War Five. I think that's what it was, yeah. right? Oh my God! What a lucky f- like. Oh that is my God. that is crazy to me. And that isn't so funny that we both know what yeah. we're talking about. I, I'm a. That was yeah. also uh, a big inspiration. There like they starting are Rooster, like starting Friendly Ghosts was Rooster Teeth. And yeah. A lot of, a lot of what I picture myself doing in the future is yeah. kind of like modeled after them. But one big thing that they did, if you saw like the layoffs that they had like a, a year. Oh or two yeah, ago, no, of course. That was just because they they expanded too fast and expanded outside their means. Well, I also think it's kind of ridiculous to be like, hey, I'm gonna 
pay people to be on a YouTube because if they if that group of like the like if Spool, James, Elise, Bruce, Adam, Lawrence, um, who was the one with the curly hair? Joel. Joel. Like I'm sure I'm missing one or two. If all peak. the peak, if <laughs> if all of them just did it on their own, like if they if they all rented like a, a studio with one room in it. They could have been much better off. Yeah. They did not have to be salaried by Rooster Teeth. I feel like that's that's a lot of people. A lot of things that creative people do. They go for the salaried job because it's it's secure. It's safe. It's, it's safe. Yeah, yeah. It's secure. They they have benefits. They have uh, backing. Yeah. And I mean, like, if you have children or something, yeah. that's probably something you should do. But I'm I'm glad with like uh, Bruce and Lawrence. They they went out and went into their own kind of. Uh, yeah. Solo career, yeah, and stuff. I had faith in themselves. I f- I feel like that's a good thing for uh someone in like a creative field to do. Have faith in yourself. Also, I want to apologize if anyone hears dogs barking. <laughs> Don't know what's happening right now. Anyway, um, you think your your friend came early? Uh, what time is it? Uh, five forty two. Five forty two. Oh Jesus. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wanna, oh my gosh. Do you want to do something cool? He's he's gonna be like, do you want Chipotle? Let me watch. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't feel like. Wait, Han, I'm gonna see. It. Yo, can I call you on the podcast? Cause I don't want to just like bomb him with, "Hey, you're alive." Um. <laughs> oh, he didn't even realize I'm recording today. <laughs> I'm recording. <laughs> um. What a way to like end the podcast though with Chipotle. Yeah, with Chipotle, <laughs> that'd be cool. Um. Hold on, what was I saying? Uh, with Rooster Teeth and Funhouse. Having and faith in like uh, people going off on their own. Yeah. What a magnificent team, though, that they oh were. Oh, my God. That they... They mesh so well. I, I don't oh think I've seen... There's not many groups that have that good chemistry. James and Elise are the funniest couple I've yeah. ever seen in my entire life. I, I still think uh, Bruce and James oh, right. together is some of the funniest stuff. Oh, it's so funny. Let me see if I can do this. I'm going to try to... Um, I used to have a YouTube channel called Pompadour Friends where I'd make gaming videos, and I do it with my friends. I have, like, five with my friends, and they're the funniest videos I've ever made because it's just we all bounce off each other, you know? Those mm. are so much fun. So, yeah, that team means so much. Um, what is this? What am I doing? Okay. Yes. Where is it? I'm oh, you could connect the phone? Yeah. Oh, that's sick. Yeah, let's see if it looks... It'll, it'll get its own, like, uh, track? Yeah. It, yeah, it's cool. Um, wait a second. I'm trying to find it. Sonic Boom, Road. Yeah, I've, I've been wanting to do my own podcast. I need to get something like, like this. Like to pair smartphone. Yes, I would. There it is. Say it again. What, what were you saying? Oh, I, I wanted to start my own podcast. and I, I, oh, you I'm should. I'm looking to get something well, like Well, I'll this. tell you all about it afterward, like all the technical stuff and oh, stuff. Yeah. All right, we're going we're gonna, to... We're going to call him. Let's his this. name's Bashoy. He well, I hear it on the headphones. Oh, yeah. my God. This is awesome. He had his own episode. He, he's awesome. Bashoy's the man. Hello. Hey, Bashoy. You're uh, you're on an episode right now. Um, are you? I, t- I told everyone knows that's watching that you're going to be here in, like, basically 15 minutes. I totally forgot to tell you <laughs> I was recording today. We're with Vinny. Say hi to Vinny. Hello. Hey, Vinny. How's it going? <laughs> you're, uh, listen, how about, are you on your way? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm uh, running a little bit behind, but I should be there like five. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Sorry, six, All right, say click. Fifteen. All right, this is yeah, this this is, cool. is what we'll do. You you have my order from last time. 
Maybe. If I you, can, if I'm you, sure I can find it. All right. Get, I can get, probably find it. Get me exactly that, and then I'll, I'll Venmo you when you get here. All right. Okay. If you can't, no worries. I'll, you get something for yourself, and I'll go to Burger King. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. Just right. DoorDash it. Yeah, just DoorDash. Uh, Vinny, are you hungry? No, I'm good. Thank you. No, nah, he's good. I don't know why All I right, answered for good. you. Uh, <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you later, <laughs> right? All right, I'll see you All in a little right. while then. Peace. Oh, that was funny. <laughs> that is an awesome setup. Oh, yeah, it's cool, right? It, it was like a conference call. <laughs> yeah, it's fu- it feels like you're an, it's an actual radio station. Oh, because, my God, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. they're they're going to sound cruddy because they're on a cell phone, and I've got microphones. So it's, it's, a sound, it's like you're in the car with your parent in, like, 2001. <laughs> um, Listening to you talk to yeah. like mom and dad. Anyway, team's so important. Oh, absolutely. Team is phenomenally important. It's it's best like to find some people that you mesh well with. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if you have people that um either you don't mesh well with or like people don't like, it really it really brings the group down. And are you are you confident with the people you have or are you confident where that you're going to find people you want to be with? Oh, uh, I I I'm the type of person like I feel like I don't know if it this is the stoic mindset because I'm kind oh, of a stoic. Oh, I love stoicism. I, I saw y- you had a, a podcast on it, I think. Oh, um, really? Was the last one? Was he a woodworker? Uh, Maybe. I don't, well, I don't how, remember. Oh, well, because I, I talk about it frequently. Because I, I think it was around the time Ava's came out. I was l- oh, like looking through it and I saw it. Like it was in the title. But All um, right, word. Hell yeah, I love this. But I, I don't know if it's stoicism per se, but like I... I the way I live life, it's like, I'm just like, eh, it'll just work itself out. Because mm-hmm. the, the, I've... St- Very like, passive. Yeah, growing up, it's like I've I've stressed myself out about, like, almost everything I could, but it, it always ends up working out in the end. So, like, I always remind myself, like, it's like, it's it'll, it'll work itself out in some way. Like, I, it's it makes no difference to stress about it. You can't really change it. It'll, it'll just, it'll find a way. Yeah, well... That's how Ava kind of, like, mm. lives, too, where she's, like, it is what it is, and if something happens that she's upset about, she kind of just accepts that th- she can't change it, move on. Yeah. Um, That's I, the best it, way to live life. It's actually kind of weird. I remember a lot about Ava from that one one time, one episode. I don't know <laughs> why. Um, it just happens She, she sticks with you. Yeah, she's, sure. yeah she's stuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, but oh, you guys, it sounds like you guys are perfect together then because, yeah, I'm, I'm very – I don't want to say I'm very stoic because I have a lot of flaws. I'm not perfect. but I, I, I try to live stoically. I'd, yes, I would like to try my best to consistently live stoically. Um, and a lot of people view it incorrectly. Mm. And they think being stoic is like cold, cold stone. Like, well, no I feeling. Don't, no feeling. Like, oh, whatever. Like, oh, my mother passed it, away. I don't care. Like, it's yeah, not really it's, like it's that. like It's like, uh, I think something I've seen, it's like a, a grass just blowing in the yeah, wind. Yeah, it's like accepting, yeah. letting go. Mm. It's... it's um. Knowing that it'll happen and it's not being upset by things you can't change. Yes, and you know that's actually and accepting the things. Uh, it that it, I think that's also like a a Bible thing. It's like uh knowing to accept the things you can't change and knowing the difference or something. Like some that. I I, I yeah, actually yeah, just like finished the the Old Testament mm. like yesterday. Are you a big bi- uh religious person? I I don't know what I am. Okay, but I want the knowledge. You know, I, I get behind that. Yes, entirely. I want to read as many religious texts as I can. I just finished a hundred and fifty, uh, one one thousand one hundred fifty pages of the Bible, which is basically like, you know, almost two thousand pages because one Bible page is basically two pages in a real book. Yeah, it took me forever. It was 
oh, at some point it's nauseating. Um, I'm now I'm gonna take like a three month break and then go to the New Testament. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I just I kind of want the knowledge. But my family was always religious. Like I feel yeah. like I'm I'm not super religious, but my family has like my dad's side of the family has a very strange relationship with like mm. religion and stuff like that. Like my this this part of it, like these stories will get like kind of uh, out there. Okay, go so, for it. Um, so one of the things is like there's a lot of kids in my family that when they were like kids and stuff like that they they've seen ghosts and yeah. stuff like oh, that dude. so okay. i i've seen my grandmother when oh, i was like really? three and she passed away like a year before i was born and we saw it in uh, i saw her on mother's day in um her old apartment Shit, man. and we were down there signing a card for my mom and then we we're gonna go back to my because it was her apartment and my apartment was in the same building and my dad kept it as like a little studio that he rented out and at that point we went down to like fill out the cards get the presents and then go back up to mine and i just started talking to someone and my dad was like who are you talking to and i was like oh it's my imaginary friend curly and he's like curly and he and i described apparently because um my grandmother had went through chemo and like she lost her hair and it grew back all curly and apparently i described her almost exactly do you remember this no that is the most Mm perplexing part about this whole thing but the this is where it gets more perplexing okay so uh i i wasn't the only one to see her uh at least i was the only one then but years later my younger cousin uh apparently because so my grandmother had like a few brothers and one of them was still alive like when i was younger and he passed away like a few years ago and like he was in Florida and one of my cousins who was like three or four in New Jersey the next day said that he not only saw my grandmother, but my uncle as well with her together. He, he should have no concept that he probably have, has met the uncle like one or two times beforehand. And he also should have no idea that he had passed away. Uh, yeah. Give me the chills, man. Yeah. It's very weird. And then the the weirdest one for me that is one that it's like this one I'm like I I don't know, but because the other ones it's like firsthand uh, people in my family like they could see some weird stuff, um, but one one of my cousins, uh my or my dad's cousin she was out like a, at a party and someone just approached her and she's like like oh my god, uh, like and it, she explained she was a medium and that. There was some soul around my cousin that was just so like overwhelmingly like beautiful, and the way they talked about it, they said it was my grandmother, and that she, when she died, she went straight up to heaven and was given uh, angel wings. You know, I I feel like I might have talked to Ava about this, mm. about like inst- instincts and yeah. how um. You know, I'm gonna. Whether or not I said it to you, I'm going to say it to you like I've never spoke about it before. Um, you know how, like, animals have instincts? Yeah. And they know exactly when this, this, or that's going to happen. They know when it's going to rain. They know when it's going to storm just because yeah. their bodies are hardwired to the earth. Humans have that, too, but it's we, we've since no longer... Block it out. It, we no longer need it because of technology. Yeah. But then we have people, like, we have Native Americans that are still able to see ghosts, are still able to feel things, or feel nature like we can't. Because they haven't had technology as long as us, so it's still a little bit there. Then children are born new, mm. 
and they still have instincts until they develop a n- not to need it as they get older because they have technology. And it's so weird that I don't want to be able to say it's just a coincidence for children to be like basically like susceptible to ghost yeah. and feeling that kind of stuff. And then it happens more than people realize. Yeah, and then for Native Americans who have only had technology for maybe like two hundred years, like how long we've been here, that had like um like boats like we have and like guns and stuff like they didn't have that as long as Westerners have. Yeah, and for them to still be able to feel so connected to the earth and and see spirits and ghosts, and then for the kids to do it when they're really young. It's just, it's got. I definitely believe there's something to it, absolutely. And and then it's even weirder mm. for you to grow old enough not to be able to remember that. Exactly. That's weird. What do you? What do you? Uh, how do you explain ghosts? Because I I have my own so own thoughts. Well, I don't. I think there's there's probably more than one apparition. You know, more than one type of thing. That's fair. And. The way I explain ghosts is the way I explain hell. Okay. And I'm not saying ghosts are in hell, but imagine you went to hell. Eventually, no matter how tortured you're being, it's going to be mundane. You're like, oh, whatever. It's happening. The only way... Eternity in hell, it gets old fast. Yeah, the (laughs) only way for hell to maintain its hellishness is if you keep forgetting that you're there. Okay. Is if, as soon as you get into hell... You'd be so scared. Th- yeah. And then imagine five yeah. minutes after you're there, it reverses time as if it's your first time there. So the only way hell would continue to be torturous is if you keep feeling like you just got there. So ghosts, mm. I imagine that they are stuck within this time. They're not stuck in this place. They're not haunting this place or this person. They're haunting this time period. And other beings are just on that landscape. So that's why ghosts end up keep doing the same things. They keep walking. Oh, we always hear those stairs rattling. Someone's keep a ghost keeps walking up the stairs because they're in that trench where they just got to get upstairs. They got to get upstairs, or they keep hearing like this guitar play. It's like what's going on because they're playing a guitar. They don't move forward. That's interesting. I feel like they they're because I because like DMT and all that stuff. I really that's part f- of my explanation. Yeah, well, yeah, I really feel like in that fourth dimension, that time. Time being the fourth dimension, I feel like those who cannot venture to the next place, cannot uh, pierce the veil, like they are stuck in that time period and they cannot escape. And because they don't have enough DMT, because they couldn't pierce the veil, because they can't go back to their, you know, organic body, they are only allowed to be in this one piece of time and they never realize it. That's what I think some ghosts are. Okay. Go ahead. So for mine, I've I've always been... Uh, like since I think like entering like college-ish, yeah, I've um I've been really into like psychedelics and different like kind uh, of more yeah. more spiritual stuff. It's like it was like Joe Rogan, of, of course. Of course, like, first time ever DMT. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> yeah. And I I've just go down a rabbit hole on YouTube, yeah, hearing all these people talk about it. The way the way they all talk about it, it it makes me think of like where it's like, uh, the body is the vehicle for this dimension and that the soul is like almost like the only way to get higher to higher dimensions. Yeah. Like, have you ever heard of like astral projection? Yes, of course. Yeah. Do you like, do you know about like all the different like, uh, stories about it? Um, I know, I know there are stories that exist that some are frightening and some aren't, but I haven't heard of anything in depth. 
So uh, my friend, like, a year ago gave me this book. This is what made me kind of get, like, that, this thought of, like, maybe this is what ghosts are. Um, this guy told this, so this guy was, like, a psychologist, and he was very, like, very um well-known, and he was very uh, renowned. He was, well, good at what he does, and he, he talks about how there, is, there were moments where he would be asleep, and, like, he felt his hand, like, hanging off the bed. And he felt this sensation of like his hand just falling through the floor. Whoa! And then he, it, it would get more and more until the point where he would just slowly, like fully, like float above his body. Okay. And then, uh, as it would happen more and more, he he was like, okay, let's test certain things with this. And so he went to his friend's house and saw her talking on the phone, and he pinched her. And she reacted, and when he interacted with her later, he told her, I was in your house, I pinched you. She had a huge bruise. And um, he also told a story about how he was like, okay, let, let me think about this. Like, what, what, what else can I do? He, he told stories about how he would sometimes, when you come out of your body, you just see this dark figure just standing in a corner just looking at you oh, and it, it's you can't even make like uh features they're tall and it's just you you get the feeling of just dread when you see them but he talks about it like when you astral project you have to level yourself up in term of it's like a very emotional experience negative feelings will kind of hold you down on this plane and that's what a lot of the ghosts do. It's like when you die and you're out of your body, uh, you have to almost like lift yourself up. But these people oh my gosh, are yeah. like negative and just sticking around, walking around. So he sees all these beings like around just kind of like moping, doing whatever. And he's able to kind of like shift himself like up uh, another level. And he tells... What's this book called? Um, look at it, go look it up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my friend sent it to me on Discord. It was like a PDF of it. Oh, that's fine. That's cool. Um, yeah, whatever. That's, I mean, that stuff is fascinating. Uh, Journeys Out of the Body by Robert Monroe. Okay. Uh, so then he also tells stories about... This is when it gets really, like, wild. But I, I believe it because this this dude is very, like, uh, decorated. Robert Monroe, he's pretty, de- he's well known at his th- during his time, and there have been stories from other people that sound very similar. He told stories of going to this place where it's almost like um, th- this could be what heaven is, where it's like he's in this world, it's like a huge plane, and there's just people all standing around each other and just looking around, and then all of a sudden this giant being just starts walking above everyone, and he feels like he's panicking, but everyone's, it's like, they're reacting like this is normal. They come down and just grabs a handful of them and then just walks away. And then he also tells a story about how he went to another version of Earth and he saw a version of himself, but everything was prehistoric technology. So it was almost like a version of Earth where it was like we never advanced. This this sounds incredible. Yeah. And then he also, this, this, this is what I think will happen after you die. He 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 did a thing where he, when you're in that state, he 
talked about being like you just think of where you want to go and it takes you almost you almost go and he he thought um okay well let me let me visit my mentor so he's like okay his mentor had passed away previously and all of a sudden he's pulled to this room with three people sitting at a table three young people and he's like that this isn't right cuz he the only way he knew the mentor was like as an old guy he's like okay this isn't right this is like three like 20 year olds this he's not here and then one of them like approaches him and is like oh hey and starts talking he's like who who are you do i know you he's like oh i'm i'm your mentor i'm the guy you know i'm i'm who you were looking for and they sit and they have this whole conversation he didn't even know who he was at first He's astral projecting right now. Yeah. So he went to a place where this guy's soul was, and he was sitting with two other people. And so he sat and had a conversation with him. And when he came back, he went and visited his mentor's house and saw a picture. It was the exact same guy. Now, what if, what about those stories where people can't return to their bodies? Mm. What's that about? Is that even a thing? I haven't heard that because they always talk about how there's like a string. There's a string attaching you to your body at all times so that in that way, there's nothing that can go into your body other than you. Because I've I've heard like that if you stay too long, that it's like you're basically in comatose. Yeah. You have a hard time finding your way back. Well, maybe that's not true. I don't know. They also talked about how there is the concept of if someone woke you up, you're pulled back. So I think if if someone wakes you up, you, you can get pulled back. But the thing that also makes me believe this is if you go on reddit and like go on like the astral projection page they have pinned cia documents of them testing it that's what I'm, bro you're blowing yeah. my mind because i i'm i'm all over this shit yeah it's all i think about so when it comes to astral projection ghost alien like dmt beings yeah. this is what my mind this is what got me sold is they they told the story of this them testing this guy's claims that he can do it first they sit him what? down in a room and then they they set it so that he goes into the next room and tells a few different details, and he gets it right. And so they have him in a state where he's sitting in a chair, and he's out cold, but he can still verbally speak. So they're speaking to him, and he can speak what he's seeing. And so they're like, okay... We're gonna give you. Goats. We're gonna give you a set of coordinates, and you're gonna go and tell us what you see. Yeah. And so he's like, okay. They they say a coordinate, and he goes, and he goes to Mars. And so he's walking around on Mars, and he's describing these like hills, these things, and then he he describes uh, seeing destroyed structures. And then they're like, okay, uh, go to this. Go to this location. He goes, and they're like, "Okay, now go back, however met amount of time," and he goes back in time, and then he says he sees these giant pyramids and these tall figures walking around, and they're like, "Uh, what are they doing?" And he's able to approach them and interact with them on some level because they could see him. He says, and he describes that they were saying that. They built these pyramids because through some means of technology, they they messed up their environment to a point where there's weather systems that are just tearing it apart. All of their settlements are getting torn apart, and there is no way to fix it. And they've sent people out into space to try to look for a new place to stay. But 
they haven't heard back from them yet. So they built these pyramid structures to protect themselves from these storms, and they're going in to wait, to wait it out. And so, according to this CIA thing, not only is actual projection real, you can go th- through space in it and through time. It's you're you're it's very dangerous right now what you're doing because I'm yeah. believing every fucking word of this. I know, but it, it on some level it also makes sense because if you well, if you connect the dots for exactly. a lot of things, it's like if you there's something bring to in it. Psychedelics, there, so, psychedelics. You ever see the men, the men's like, goats? Which one? The movie oh, The yeah. Men Who Stare Goats. It's like that stuff is like a lot of there's a lot of truth to that. Mm. I mean, like you start connecting and the then, dots. Yes. And then if you like, e- even it's if you stuff. throw in like UFOs, that could still make sense through all of this. You know why it's bad it, though? It all just makes sense. It's bad because I want it to be true. Exactly. And and exactly. Th- and that's why it's it's not a good idea for anyone to talk to me about this stuff because <laughs> I want it to be true. Same. And I'm bad with conspiracies. It, like I'm. I'm only on episode 27 of this podcast, and since doing it, I feel like I'm I, I'm able to control it a lot better. The thing is, I don't want to. And if it, I have to put, yeah, if it's I have so to, cool though, if it you is. just you open yourself up it, to the possibilities, and it, it's just if like I the have, world yeah. is so much better, like crazier than you. Even if realize. I have to put my shirt and tie on and be a skeptic to you know retain my credibility or to um, keep the conversation grounded, I will. I don't really want to right now. This stuff's fucking cool, um, but. There are a lot of things I can say that'll be like, oh, but what about this? What about that? No, yeah, but true, of course. And and right now I can do it, but if I'm, but there's certain I, things like if you if you look at it through a certain lens, it can make sense because like yeah. then you think about out of body experiences and how people see God. Well, maybe they're just going to some some other plane Vinny, of existence. This. This could have been an entire show. I know, right here. I should have started. No, don't. No, no I want to talk to you about writing, man. Yeah, I want to. We could always do another. We'd, we'd always do it again. Um, I'm always. I'm so interested in stuff like this, though. I I love this stuff. Well, for a lot of people who don't know this, of course, the show is called MGC Mark Tribune Connection. But eventually, I w- don't quote me on this in the future. Don't be like Mark, but you said this. I one day I wanted to also mean uh, movies. I do a movie podcast now. Guests, mm-hmm. that's you. And then the third one, the C, is conspiracies. Um, and I want to have three episodes yeah. a week eventually. Not happening right now. Mm-hmm. Don't have the the time to do that. Um, but if, I love this stuff. If you like conspiracies, I've um recently I got into this YouTuber called Wendigoon. Okay, he does this thing. Like, have you have you been seeing all the videos on YouTube about like different icebergs and stuff like that? Where it's like they'll take like some. No, like, you'd have to show me. There's like they'll take Star Wars and they'll make a picture of an iceberg and they'll. S- level it up so it's like 10 levels to the iceberg and it's like level one uh if you were a star wars fan on level one you would know things like luke who luke skywalker is darth vader and as you get deeper it's like different things that only people deeper into the lore would know so like level nine would be like darth revan or something like that yeah i know yeah i know that is so um this guy did a conspiracy theory iceberg oh my gosh that's funny it some of the things i've never like I've never heard of some of these. Like some of them are funny. Like, w- like for some reason, level five has something like Arnold's height, which is like talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger's true height. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, so I have no idea what his true height yeah, exactly. Is so it's uh, it's like s- dumb stuff like that. But then they get into stuff like um, apparently on like level nine, there's something like God's ego death. Yeah. Or there's I think like I've heard that Nephilim. Um, have you ever heard of Nephilim? No. Wendigoon loves Nephilim. Okay. Well, look. Vinny, this is fantastic. Yeah, this is this There's is great. so much. Um, 
I unfortunately we gotta we got we gotta stop short. We're, we'll get carried away forever. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this was great, guys. Please, please go take a look at all of any stuff. Keep everyone updated. Like, post your Instagram, man. Tell us yeah, what's absolutely. going on. You know, keep you know friendly ghosts going. Like, let us know what's going on in your life. Even like, start like a Twitter or a Tumblr just about writing, <laughs> man. Like, do something. Yeah. I'm telling you, find I'm terrible that. Terrible social media. I know you are. And you don't <laughs> have to do it, but find that community. Let people know what you're doing. It's very interesting. Um, I. I got more out of this episode than I thought I would, man. This is this is this is great. It's fantastic. Oh yeah, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having um, me. Um, and I think that's about it. All right, everybody, thank you for watching, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks, everybody.